joining us today. We're on Walton Biz Talk. I'm Jesse Schnabelin, and I'm here with Summer Stahlbomber. And today we have a very special guest with us today. Um, our season, this season is about leadership, as you know, and who better to talk to us about leadership than uh, Dean Waller, the Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. So thank you so much for being with us today, Dean Waller. Thank you, Jesse and Summer. I, I love being here. This is great. <laughs> thank you. Yes, we are very excited for it. So uh, we were thinking for a first question, um, I want to know a little bit about a day in the life of the Dean. Okay. <laughs> a day in the life of Dean. So um, I get up at five in the morning usually and I get a cup of coffee, put on my workout clothes, and from 5.10 to 5.30, I spend some quiet time reading, meditating. And then at 5.30, I go upstairs and I exercise in my house for about an hour. And while I'm exercising, I usually watch, I have Chromecast, mm -hmm. so I watch a video that I wanted to watch or listen to a podcast or something like that. And then when I finish, I take a shower, and sometimes I drive to work, sometimes I stay at home for a while and do writing and editing, mm -hmm. I or reading, I um, for work. Because as dean, I have to read lots of agreements. Mm -hmm. You know, we hire faculty, we hire staff. We have uh, business relationships for all kinds of things, renting space, um, organizations that provide services to the Walton College. And so sometimes I have to read the agreements and make decisions about them. And, um, and then I have to write letters to people, all kinds of letters, you know. <laughs> for example, when faculty, faculty go up for what's called promotion and tenure, mm -hmm. and they also have what are called third year reviews, um, and these are big decisions, and my decision has to be consistent with policy. So I always reread the policy and write my decision letter or my recommendation letter based on um, the situation. So for example, for a promotion and tenure decision, um, you know, I'll have a, a faculty member might have a 25 or 30 or even 50 page Vita, CV, mm. curriculum Vita, along with a, a bunch of articles, and I have to go through them and look at teaching evaluations mm -hmm. and all these kinds of things and decide, how are they doing? And I need to write that up. Um, I didn't know CVs could get that long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had no they, idea. <laughs> they get very long, especially with really productive faculty. Uh -huh. And um, so that's an example, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then I also do some writing in the morning based on, like I'm, I, I've just recently finished a couple of books. I, mm -hmm. I wrote a book, um, I co-authored a book with the chairman of the board, uh, and you know about this summer, mm -hmm. uh, with the chairman of the board of J.B. Hunt, Kirk mm -hmm. Thompson. It's not in print yet, but um, it's pretty much finished. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and Summer, you read an earlier version of it. Yes, I, I think did. it was about halfway done. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it was less than halfway. It was probably fourth done. But Summer took a class from me called Arkansas Business, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we had lots of business leaders from Arkansas come in um, and and speak. And 
that was a tough time for mm-hmm. me. It was the toughest semester of my life because I, I was suffering from an illness, mm-hmm. and so I was taking some medicine and getting surgeries and stuff. I don't think I was probably very good that that year. <laughs> I loved that class. Did so. <laughs> I, I didn't have a lot of energy, but but I so you know I I, I write I'm, I'm I'm writing another book right now um, on leadership and mm-hmm. management. And so I'm always writing, um, and sometimes I'm writing articles for my discipline. My, mm-hmm. I'm a supply chain management professor. Mm-hmm. That's what I did before I was uh, in administration, uh, which will lead into uh, that later. But uh, I think that uh, when you look at a typical day, I'm, in the morning I typically write and mm-hmm. read. I go to work. Now, sometimes I, what I just described, I do at work, sometimes I do at home. Hmm. I go to work, and I have lots of meetings. If you looked at my calendar, you'd see I have lots of meetings. Sometimes they're 15 minutes, sometimes they're a half hour, sometimes there's an hour. Today, as soon as I got to work, I went to the provost's office. The provost is my boss. Mm-hmm. He's also titled Executive Vice Chancellor uh, for um, Academics, I think is the title. Um, but he's like the chief academic officer of the university, so all of the deans report to him. Mm. But I meet with him on a regular basis because we've got lots of decisions we're making for the university mm-hmm. and for my and for the college. And he is a wonderful person to work with, very good leader. Um, our chancellor, Chancellor Steinmetz, mm-hmm. is also wonderful. I meet with him periodically as well. And then, um, and so then I came back um, to my office and I met with a department chair. So the Walton College has seven department chairs. Mm. Um, So just to give you an idea of who reports to me, I've got seven department chairs that report to me. My administrative assistant reports to me. The chief financial officer of the college reports to me. The director of development, the uh, director of the Office of Diversity mm-hmm. and Inclusion. So I often have to meet with people like mm-hmm. that. I also periodically meet with, you know, f- faculty on various issues. Mm-hmm. And then I meet with students. I love meeting with students mm-hmm. when I can. It's very hard. You know, most of my professional life, as a professor at least, I could meet with students as much as I wanted. <laughs> Um, it's much more difficult um, now, but I do it. In mm-hmm. fact, when I'm walking down the halls, when I'm walking on the street, when I walk from my car to my office, if there's a student walking near me, I'll s- introduce myself <laughs> and say, awesome. you know, what are you majoring in? Yeah. And if they say business, then I'll say, how do you like it? What do you like <laughs> most? What do you not like? Yeah. And the reason I do that is I want the Walton College to be the best public business school in the United mm-hmm. States. So feedback from students is invaluable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I often, in, in a given day, will have, um, you know, uh, sometimes parents will come up with their children mm-hmm. that are interested in going to school and they want to, usually they don't ask to meet with the dean. But every now and then they do, and I, if I can do it, I'll do it. I'll tell you a funny story. So Bill Dillard II, who 
uh, you've met Summer because yes, he, he spoke in my class. <laughs> well, he was up for a meeting, and I said to him, I contacted him. I said, "Could you come a little early? I want to surprise someone." So this <laughs> this um, woman from Little Rock came up with her son, and we had a meeting at nine. I was supposed to meet with Bill Dillard at nine thirty, and I asked him to come early, <laughs> and. Just for a surprise, I, <laughs> I thought it'd be a funny surprise. And um, so this young man was trying to decide between a bunch of business schools, and this was the last one he was visiting, I believe. I believe that's correct. And so, at any rate, they arrive at nine, mm -hmm. and I go out and get them and bring them in my office and introduce them to, to Bill Dillard. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I just wanted you to see what our alumni turned out to be like. <laughs> well, you know, it is, it is true, too. I mean, if you look at it, um, you know, Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart. Right. Uh, John Ferner, the CEO of Sam's Club. And Sam's Club would be the fifth largest retailer in the world mm -hmm. if it were separate. You know, um, uh, John Roberts, the CEO of uh, J.B. Hunt. And I just met a new one. Um, last week I was in Los Angeles and there's a retail chain mm -hmm. called uh, 99 cent only stores. You mm -hmm. learned about that in my classes. Really? <laughs> yes. What class? Uh, retail strategy. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, I had never heard of it, but they've got quite a few stores. It's a big, mm -hmm. big chain. Mm -hmm. Did you know that an alumnus of ours runs it? No. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, the an alum he graduated from the Walton College I think in ninety eight or ninety seven. Oh, wow. Anyway, I met I went and met with him last week. So I meet with lots of I meet with students. Mm -hmm. I meet with professors. I meet with you know uh, other deans. I meet with all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. But I also meet with potential benefactors mm -hmm. because a large part of my job is gathering resources for the College of Business. Mm -hmm. So one way I do that is I create programs that generate revenue for mm -hmm. us that we can use to fund scholarships, that we can make, that we can use to buy equipment like you have in your office right. here. Right. Um, I, I'm responsible for making sure that we have mm -hmm. resources to buy things, to pay students to work for us, mm -hmm. whatever we may uh, do. Can I ask what you you know, just you have such a large leadership role now, and I'm curious, when you were an undergrad or just starting out in college, did you ever imagine yourself in a role like this? No. Or what did you imagine for yourself well, at that stage? Uh, <laughs> it's a long story, <laughs> but I, 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 I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, I actually thought I wanted to be a dentist. Oh, really? And so, <laughs> but I love, so I was going to major in like biology or something. Okay. And I took a class called Introduction to Economics mm -hmm. when I was at, I was at the University of Missouri because I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, I loved economics so much. This class was a class that combined micro and macro. It was a five credit mm -hmm. hour class. Seriously, I loved every lecture. I loved every chapter. I still remember a lot of that. <laughs> Uh, and that was 1983, so it was a long time ago, but I loved the material. I still love economics mm -hmm. to this day. But at any rate, I found out that I could get into dental school without majoring in biology. 
And the way you do it is you can major in whatever you want, but you just have to take biology, microbiology, genetics, mm -hmm. chemistry one, two, organic chemistry one, two, and some others. So while I was an undergraduate, I did that. I, I majored in economics, but I took all of the classes required to get mm -hmm. into dental school, and I got accepted to dental school. And that summer, um, I worked a lot with my father, who's a dentist. And he was, he did a fine job of, you know, teaching me about dentistry. But through that, I realized I didn't like it and I didn't want to be a dentist. <laughs> I don't like, I, my fine motor skills aren't very good. And you don't want some poor fine motor skills working in your mouth with a drill. And you um, found this out after getting accepted to dental yes. school. Okay. So you took the tests and everything. I did everything. Oh wow. We had submitted the uh, down payment, everything. Oh my goodness. And I um, I decided to back out and didn't know what I was gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of my family members were upset with me. Yeah, I was gonna ask about how your parents felt uh, about that. I won't go on and on. Um, about that. Uh, and then I took a job, you mm -hmm. know, and I was working. But let me skip forward a little bit because yeah. I think it might be more um, relevant. I came here as a visiting assistant professor. Mm. I started a software company too. Mm. This was in the 90s. And the year that I made tenure, I made tenure pretty early, uh, my software company was starting to grow quickly. And I realized I was probably going to have to resigned from the university. I couldn't mm. do both. Um, so I did. I gave up my tenure and I, I left. They let me keep an office here. Back then we weren't so constrained on mm -hmm. space because I agreed to teach a course for free. Because mm. um, I, I had started, I designed a course called Logistics Modeling at the master's level and I felt bad about just walking away because I designed it and, there, right. and it was now a required course and I thought this is awesome. going to put, a, yeah. put them in an awkward yeah. position. It was just on Monday nights from 6 to 9 and so I continued to teach that and I continued to do research and our company got, we had over a hundred employees at our peak. So that was my first big leadership kind of experience. Hmm. Um, I also had a um, consulting firm that I co-founded hmm. called Bentonville Associates back hmm. in the 90s. Um, so you're kind of a startup guy, a little I, bit. I did. Okay. I did a little bit. And but when I sold, I sold the we sold the company in 2002. I didn't know what I was going to do for mm -hmm. sure, um, but I did want to come back. I love being a professor. Mm -hmm. I thought I want to come back to the university. Um, and we and my wife was pregnant with our fourth child, mm -hmm. and I thought this travel is not so great. With because yeah. I was traveling constantly. Um, most of our employees were in Washington, D.C., so I was flying between here mm -hmm. and Washington, D.C. a lot. And then I'd have to fly to customers and mm -hmm. things like that. I spoke at a lot of conferences back then. In fact, I, I can't remember what year it is, but one of those years while I was at Mercari, I think I spoke at like 20 different conferences. I actually, I wanted to touch on that because I remember when I was in your class, your Arkansas business class, you were talking one time, and one of the things you said that has always stuck with me, you said that you were absolutely just terrified of public speaking. I, I mean, was. Just <laughs> terrified, um, which I think resonates with a lot of people, obviously. Um, but you were talking about 
like how you used to be nervous just before going to class yeah and things like that um and could you talk a little sure. bit about that how you overcame that <laughs> yeah it's a it's a, it's interesting we often go through we all have challenges we all have mm -hmm. weaknesses mm -hmm. and we all have fears and i'm convinced that fear is one of the biggest threats to success fear and, and on the one hand it can be fear for some people on the other it can be hubris mm. you know extreme pride can lead to mistakes and, and bad decisions and treating others poorly fear can keep people from doing things that they should do so as you know i loved economics i really mm -hmm. did and um, i actually as even as an undergraduate I took some graduate level economics classes and so the professor his name was professor john uh, professor johnson and professor johnson um, allowed me to be a teaching assistant for a course called economics econ 51 it was an introductory the five-hour course i told you about and so my role was on fridays real early in the morning 720 i've always been an early bird <laughs> Um, I did what was called a recitation, and uh, so students would come, and I would solve problems in the back of the chapter. And I did that this sem whole semester on Fridays. I did that for two semesters, and one benefit of it was I got really good. I understood economics really well by the end of that. You know, <laughs> you know, tutoring's like that, right? Oh, Summer. Completely. Yes. <laughs> I mean, once you start. Um, the big thing for me was uh, APA citations because you have to do that with the business brief and after I've been teaching over and over again like how to cite things in text and things like that now when any of my friends have questions <laughs> about like how to cite things I'm like oh here let me give you a whole page that I can just write down from yeah. memory about APA citations <laughs> I think the best way to learn is to teach <laughs> but uh, but anyway so I, I um, but I would get really nervous before each time I taught mm -hmm. and I actually don't think I did a very good job of teaching because I was too self-concerned mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and nervous and I would literally get sick before I went to class mm -hmm. every Friday oh, for a year. That's awful. And, and then eventually, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here, when I went back to school and I went to graduate school um, at Penn State, my first so my first semester in graduate school at Penn State, I had to teach a class called Introduction to Operations Management for undergraduates, mm -hmm. and I really remember we didn't have email back then, and so I really didn't know a lot about what I was getting into. I right before class, I found out I had a hundred and fifty students. Oh no! And back then, instead of Excel, we had something called Lotus One Two Three. Mm -hmm. And the course required eight Lotus one two three assignments. It'd be like eight Excel assignments. Mm. Um, and I thought, oh my goodness, I've got this. Is gonna be really hard. Yeah. And I was very nervous, and I got sick over and over. Um, and I won't go on and on, but I'll just say <laughs> that it was true. Even up and so even after I became a professor here. Mm -hmm. In 94, I didn't get sick, but I didn't feel good, and I was nervous. Mm -hmm. And But once I'd start talking, usually the nervousness would go away, not always. Mm -hmm. 
And but as I got older, and then I started having to speak at conferences more. Then I had to sp start speaking more extemporaneously. You know, I'd be at meetings and people would call upon me. I was in a meeting at Walmart because we did a big project with Walmart in the '90s, and there was probably a hundred people in this room. And one of the very senior people from Walmart said, "Matt, would you get up and tell us a little bit about this project?" And again, I felt numb. Okay. If you don't know what it's like yeah. to have that kind of fear, you probably can't imagine. Yeah. But it was just like, uh, you know, and I did it. I would say I didn't completely get over it. I'm 54. I was probably 49. Oh, wow. But I went through a lot of pain to get over it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one thing I'll say, and I'm not telling you everything about that, but Going through difficult things like mm -hmm. that is good. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's good is it teaches you how to overcome mm -hmm. challenges. That fear was completely irrational. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. But we all have irrational fears. Right. Sometimes we think we're afraid of crowds or we're afraid of, I don't even know what, heights. There's all kinds mm -hmm. of things people are afraid of. Mm -hmm flying on airplanes, but if you're going to be a successful business person, you're probably going to fly on airplanes a lot, you know, and so you have to get over it. Mm -hmm. um, I've flown with colleagues of mine whose knuckles are white every time you take off and every time you land. I have no fear of flying, right? I'm afraid, I'm afraid to, I was afraid to speak in front of people, and but I've never been afraid to fly, mm -hmm. not in the least. So people have these irrational right, fears, right. and um, so... Yeah, summer. That was my story. <laughs> I, I think this idea of uh, you have to go through difficulty to be successful is something that's come up again and again when we talk about leadership. So would you mind defining, like, what does leadership mean to you? Like, how would you define leadership? Yeah. Um, let, me, let me back up a second. Okay. When you think about it, we have financial crises. We have racial tensions. We have disruptions in industries and business models. We need leadership. Hmm. So leadership is about dealing with or creating change. Hmm. Management is about providing stability and consistency and dealing with complexity. That's the difference. So leadership's about dealing with, with change. Management is about dealing with complexity. Mm -hmm. So if you if you want to drive change or you need to respond to change, you need leadership. If you need to bring consistency and stability, then you need um, management. The reality is, no matter where you work in the organization, you need both leadership and management mm -hmm. to different, differing degrees. Right. I don't believe it's true that someone at a high level can be a good leader without also being a good manager. At the same time, I don't think it's possible to have everything you need. So for example, my key leadership team includes Anna-Larry Kelly, who's mm -hmm. a senior associate dean, and two associate deans, Brent Williams and Alan Elstrand. But I also have a CFO, mm -hmm. Tanya Russell. Um, I have seven department chairs. Mm -hmm. I really think of this group as my leadership team. And we all have different strengths and weaknesses. but. As the dean or any leader, you, I can't just be a good leader. Mm -hmm. 
And I can't just be a good manager. I've got to be good at both. Now I can then have my colleagues help me where I'm weak. Mm-hmm. We all do have weaknesses. So, so that's the difference. Now, our students need to learn to lead. Mm-hmm. Our students need to learn to manage. Our students need to learn to be epic. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. But leaders, and I, there's, a, there's a leadership scholar by the name of John Cotter that I really like. And he used, the way he would describe it is this, leaders set direction, leaders gain alignment, leaders provide motivation. Setting direction doesn't mean that a leader says, okay, we're gonna go this direction. A good leader does a number of things to set direction. And, and this is another professor from Harvard that came up with these, but so, so when I said a leader sets direction, gains alignment, and provides motivation. That's what they do. The capabilities they need to do that are four. Uh, One is sense-making. And sense-making is being able to look outside of the organization, that is boundary span, be able to look inside the organization and to be able to make sense of it. What does it mean? And how can I explain it in a way that you can understand, right? So that's what sense-making is. Another key capability of a leader is relating. Can a leader relate to people, different kinds of people? You know, relating requires listening. It requires communicating, conversing. Uh, it requires empathy, being able to understand the other person. Leadership, uh, leadership another capability is visioning. And that means being able to take a concept and create a vision of the future, for example. Uh, For example, the vision of the Walton College is through our teaching, research, and service to be thought leaders and catalysts for transforming lives. Visioning would entail being able to take that concept and to put it into terms that would help people see the future, what that means in the future. And then finally, the fourth one is called inventing, and that means being able to invent new ideas, new concepts, new ways of doing things within the organization. All of those together are the capabilities, which is different than what a leader does. Those are capabilities. The good news is all of those can be developed, so they can be developed. And, and then the other thing I would say about that is that uh, management. So I, I mentioned that leadership's about dealing with change or creating change. Management's about creating stability or dealing with complexity. Mm-hmm. So leadership or management involves things like budgeting, planning, forecasting, problem solving, hiring people. That's really what management's about. So they're mm-hmm. different. They're very different. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is you can develop both of those while you're in school. And I always mm-hmm. tell I always tell students, you know, while you're at the university, you should be trying to develop both your management capability, your your management skills, and your leadership skills, and they can be developed. I think very few people, when people think that some people are born leaders, they Mm -hmm. often are thinking of, well, this person's a charismatic speaker, or these kinds of things, but there's a lot of Many great leaders were not great speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally different dimension, mm-hmm. uh, actually. All right, that's the difference with you. I mentioned earlier, be epic. 
You know, mm-hmm. I said, our students need to lead and learn, our students need to lead to ma- learn to manage, our students need to learn to be epic. Mm-hmm. We defined the values of the college. Values are very important in leading, by the way. The more decentralized an organization is, the more values are important. Mm-hmm. You hear me talk about be epic quite a bit. You mm-hmm. see it in the halls, we talk mm-hmm. about it. Epic stands for excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. And one thing I like to say to help people think about this is that if you want to be epic, you have to see epic. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is If you want excellence, you need to be able to see excellence. So you need to be able to look for excellence. Where where do I see excellence around me? How could I adopt excellence? Mm -hmm. But you also need to be able to see excellence in others. What is it that Summer does that's excellent? And then how can I help her build on that? How can Mm -hmm. I encourage her and recognize that? Mm -hmm. So if you want to be epic, you must see epic. And so for professionalism, how do I see people around me behaving in a business-like manner in the workplace? How could I adopt some of that myself? How could I help other people be more business-like in their manner in the workplace? Mm -hmm. So if you want to be epic, you must see epic. And so for innovation, You know, where can I combine disparate ideas? Because most innovation comes from combining things that aren't typically combined. Mm. And that's why there's an infinite number of innovations. A lot of times people think, gosh, there's so much innovation. How could anything else be invented? But there's no end. It'll never end. It's infinite um, because there's an infinite number of combinations of things. So if you want to be epic, you must see epic. And the last one's collegiality, and that is being cooperative. How can I cooperate with Jesse mm-hmm. through a podcast for Walton Biz Talk <laughs> to advance what you're trying to do? <laughs> you know, that's collegiality. Collegiality doesn't mean we agree. Mm-hmm. Collegiality doesn't mean we debate. Collegiality means that we cooperate and we respect one another. <laughs> so if you want to be epic, you must see epic. I think that's a that's the best way I can explain it, hmm. you know. Yeah. I love that. And I love how it's uh, broken down and especially that if you want to be it, you must see it, especially as a student, right when you come into the college, you you're wanting to learn something, mm-hmm. um, but I think the I these core principles, they're more than like the learning in the classroom, right? Yes. Uh, you're giving us actual like skills outside of the classroom, but I think what I think is neat about it that I didn't really realize until just now is that um, we don't know that it's happening necessarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like the fact that you taught that Arkansas business class, right? You didn't didn't have to do that, uh, but you thought it would be a neat opportunity for us students to be able to see all of these people who are incredibly successful, um, and then that would instill in us some drive or something Mm -hmm. to be successful Um, and so I think it's neat for me it's just like this dawning kind of realization um, that you sort of as dean are kind of having a say in like what we learn and um, how we learn it by but you're not actually necessarily there in the classroom but we're learning things outside of the classroom um, that kind of came from you and that's so neat, and I just realized that, so very cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, that class, Arkansas Business, it is 
a part of my opinion that you know if you want to be epic you must see mm -hmm. epic mm -hmm. and and that's why I brought in people who are epic successes right. you know a lot of times when we think of the real definition of epic has to do with a long poem mm -hmm. or a work of art like a novel mm -hmm. this kind of thing but in the colloquial sense today it means something heroic or something great mm -hmm. and some people say it's an overused term but I like that mm -hmm. Because everyone knows what it means, <laughs> you know. And so yeah. when we say we want our students in the Walton <clears throat> College to be epic, mm -hmm. people know immediately what we mean by that. Right. But then when we say, what does it mean? Well, it means excellence, professionalism, innovation, collegiality. And to gain those things, you know, if you want to be epic, you must see epic. It helps you remember, oh, if I want to be that way, I've got to be looking for it mm -hmm. and adopting it. But I've also got to see it in others and encourage others. Mm -hmm. I think it's much easier to build on strengths than to get rid of weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So I know when I'm mentoring someone or uh, working with someone who reports to me, I would much rather help them build on their strengths than criticize their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. We do need to criticize things, but, oh, I just saw in your office, Jesse, <laughs> today will be epic. Yeah. <laughs> where, where did you get that? Uh, I can't. I don't remember, but it has a bit of glitter in it. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I, you know, what's funny is, so I've only been working in the Walton College for almost two years, a little over a year and a half. And I remember coming here and hearing those, uh, hear, hearing these values. And it really, I felt like gave me, it gave me a sense of the vision and gave me something that I could work towards. And I actually bought that. Um, when I'd been here about two months. Oh, uh, Yeah, and I, I just thought it was such an interesting uh, way for me to actively engage in the concepts on a, on a small scale, like on a daily basis, by thinking about what the vision is. And I think the World College has done such an awesome job of integrating it in all of the things that we are doing. Um, and it's really cool to hear you talk about it, this, this seeing the epic, because I've seen that. Um, in our relationship with the community. I've seen it in our relationship with our students. Um, so, yeah, it had an impact on me as just a new member of the Walton College. Uh, so I, I thought that was really awesome. And, and, you know, our freshmen, I teach FBC. It's one of the things that we talk about in the first few weeks also. And so they, they get a small awareness of it, and then they get to start seeing it slowly uh, as they're moving through the Walton College. So, yeah, it's pretty great. Well, you know, one of the reasons we <clears throat> emphasize epic values, and, and it's simple. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. Yeah. It's very simple, and if our students really go after that, mm -hmm. it will transform business. <clears throat> you know, the Walton College is about transforming lives. Yes. We, if you look at our vision statement, it says the Walton College is a thought leader and a catalyst for transforming lives. But the Walton College is a catalyst for transforming lives, not a catalyst for status quo. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want students to come in here and work real hard and then get out and know a bunch of new material. We want them to really be transformed into better mm -hmm. people holistically. And that's why we yeah. have things like Leadership Walton mm -hmm. and, and so many other things that we offer that are outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. and. One thing that students often don't see, you know, there's a lot of, we're a research university. Mm -hmm. We're the only business school in the state that is a is really research focused. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big part of what we do. 
And so, you know, the Walton College is, is about creating new knowledge. The Walton College isn't just about regurgitating existing knowledge. Mm -hmm. So as a student here in the Walton College, you're not just learning from people who are regurgitating things they read in the textbook. You're learning from people who are actually creating the knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at a textbook, sometimes you think, okay, here's the textbook. But students don't often think, where did all that come from? Right. That is knowledge that was created. And I think when you're the creator of the knowledge, your ability to communicate about it is different. And that's, that's one of the benefits of being in a research university. I also, here's another one more thing I would like to say about the collegial aspect. The, amongst the, 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 the faculty, the staff, the administration, and the students, I like to think of the Walton College as a family in some ways. You know, families don't always agree with one another. Families do disagree, but they respect one another, they mm -hmm. help one another, they're united. I think the epic values help move us mm -hmm. towards a more family-like kind of metaphor. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think it fits with the Arkansas, Arkansas culture as well. Mm -hmm. I can attest to that uh, just with, I guess, the friends I've made through the Walton College um, and through, especially through the honors program. Um, our honors program works a lot differently than the overarching just honors program of the University of Arkansas. Um, and so most of my friends that I made were from Walton Honors. Um, and so I think that kind of plays into it too, uh, is that it's cultivating lifelong friendships just mm -hmm. like through schoolwork. <laughs> that is so true, Summer. The friends you make in college remain special to you the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why we, we do encourage students to really focus on networking mm -hmm. as well. Summer, where are you from originally? I'm from Rogers, Arkansas, so okay. just mm -hmm. 30 minutes down the road. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we have, you know, in the Walton College, we also have lots of students from uh, other parts of Arkansas, mm -hmm. Texas, <laughs> uh, Kansas City, St. Right. Louis, right. Uh, mm -hmm. all over the place. And it's a great time to start expanding your network. Mm -hmm. And we have, I mean, we've got students here from California. Mm -hmm. We had a student in our class that, that you took from me that was from California mm -hmm. and one of those from Chicago. They, they, we have students from all over the place. So it's a great opportunity to really build your network. Mm. Um, could you tell us maybe about a leader in your life who has inspired you? You've been talking about how you inspire students and how you inspire the Walton College, but who's someone in your life who has inspired you? There's been lots of people. I mean, some of them are people I've read about. Some mm -hmm. of them have been people that I've known. And I got interested in leadership a long time ago. So I've been reading about it. I mean, my father gave me a book in high school called In Search of Excellence. I was a senior. And I think that's when I first, that was 1982 mm -hmm. or 1981. And that was when I first got it. No, I think it was 82. I first started getting interested in leadership. Mm. And, I, and, and the whole idea of excellence, being excellent at what you do. Mm -hmm. And so I would say the author of that book had some impact on me. Mm -hmm. um, other people, you know, people lead in different ways. Mm -hmm. I would say that uh, when I was in high school, my best friend, who was a great wrestler in high school, in Kansas City we had a really good wrestling team. <laughs> um, his mother was the number one residential realtor in the United States 
for several years. Wow. And Kansas City doesn't have homes that are priced like those in New York or, or, or San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So you got to sell a lot of homes to be number one. <laughs> and she was. Uh, Marilyn Barth it was her, is, is her name. But one thing I noticed in her very early, she, well, she was working a lot. You know, they had a really nice house and we would go over there uh, quite a bit um, for fun and stuff. They had a lot of neat things there and nice <laughs> Nice place to, to visit. But I remember, even though she was very busy, very prestigious and a big a big leader in, in Kansas City, the first time she came in the house when I was there, she walked up to me, she looked me in the eyes, and she said, what's your name? And I, of course, told her. And she focused on me and talked to me just for a few minutes, and then it was, you know, over. Um, and then I saw her again, I don't know how much, how many weeks later, but... Again, she always, when she talked to me, she was focused on me. And I thought, that is a good thing to learn. I've tried to practice that. Um, you, you know, I've been talking a lot because you're interviewing me, but <laughs> if, if we were in my office, right. I would be listening a lot. I would be asking you mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my style. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I've had many, uh, Doyle Williams, you know, at least... Leaders that I've respected in my own business, for example, mm-hmm. Doyle Williams was dean here when mm-hmm. when I was here most of my most of the time in my early years. He was a great leader. He was the leader during the time that we became the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Mm-hmm. Um, we had um, we had uh, Dan Worrell after that, mm-hmm. and Dan's still here, mm-hmm. um, and he mentored me in a number of ways. He taught me about how to gain alignment. Remember I mentioned mm-hmm. alignment? Well, we started the Department of Supply Chain Management. It didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, be, it, be, it began in uh, July 1st of 2011, but to make it happen was very complicated. whole other story I'm going to. <laughs> but he really taught me how to gain alignment mm-hmm. to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And then um, Eli Jones was mm-hmm. the previous dean before me. He's now dean of the business school at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And um, I was an associate dean for executive education during that time. And so I worked closely with him. I learned a lot from him. And so professionally, in those ways, those have been people that mm-hmm. have taught me a lot about leadership. Um, but really, there are so, you can learn to lead from so many people. I'm looking on your bookshelf, mm-hmm. and you have a book from uh, Simon Sinek, yeah. <laughs> Leaders Eat Last, mm-hmm. I've read that, mm-hmm. but I've read other things from him. He's, he's a good person to yeah. l- learn leadership, leadership. from. Mm-hmm. That's about servant leadership, mm-hmm. um, but there's so many um, people. I, I like John Cotter mm-hmm. a lot um, mm-hmm. to learn from. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a, a list of, I'm gonna write, I've been writing down these <laughs> book names, <laughs> like John Cotter and everything else. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sheen Waller, for your time um, and for talking to us and sharing your uh, ideas about leadership and management with us and our students. Yes, thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. Mm -hmm.